good, everybody. Welcome to another Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. He is Levin Black. Happy Thursday, Levin. Yeah, not as happy as I wish it was, but I'm still struggling to get past that game. It it was a typical Seattle game. We all kind of had our worries going. Well, I shouldn't say we all. You and I did. Some people on this network didn't. We were all a little worried going in, and it was a typical lay an egg in Seattle type of game. But it's Thursday now. We're past that. We're closer to the Cincinnati game, which we're going to talk about on today's show. If you are new to the program, you usually get the hot takes from me and the cold truth from Levin, who I like to call the human wet blanket. Please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation podcast. We always say, if you take the time to leave us a review, we will take the time to read it, which leads me into this, Levin. Two reviews for today. First one comes from someone whose name I cannot pronounce, KDNXS, and then a bunch of other letters that I don't want to read. Great podcast, and Levin is Paul Finch. Levin sounds just like Paul Finch from American Pie. He sounds just like him. Also, Michelle Elijah Mitchell is better than Najee Harris. Rob, I thought you would look more like Danny Tanner, and you kind of do also. Great podcast. <laughs> Five stars. Uh, my response to that one was, uh, where was my MILF in high school? <laughs> you do sound like Paul Finch. That is excellent. So shout out to that podcast listener. Uh, uh, it's sad. You mentioned Danny Tanner, who is the father in full house for people that are a certain age. They'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That's kind of, I don't know. That's not a compliment, right? That's more insult than compliment. Yeah, probably. I mean, that saying you, you look and sound like Danny Tanner is an insult saying you sound like Bob Saget, who's the actor who played Danny Tanner, might be a compliment because okay. Bob Saget and Danny Tanner are polar opposites. Yes. Which is hilarious. And Bob Saget is hilarious. And I think that would probably be more of a compliment to be called Bob Saget. I mean, you're kind of funny and you're really good at insulting people because that's his <laughs> style. It's true. <laughs> being called Danny Bob Tanner Saget, is really bad or being called the... America's Funniest Home Video, Bob Saget, would probably be an insult, too, because that's like, you're fake. Yeah. <laughs> that was basically YouTube on TV. But anyway, yeah. uh, next podcast, uh, next review comes from Thunder Runs, five stars, best 49ers podcast. Doesn't matter which one podcast I listen to on the Niners Nation Network. I love them all. The banter between Rob and Levin is great. Only exception is when someone wrote that Levin sounds old and Rob said, you must sound like 60. Hey. I'm 61 and don't sound old. Seriously, the talks are always insightful and honest, like all podcasts should be. Keep up the great work. Thunder Runs, my bad. Didn't mean to insult any sexagenarians out there. Sorry about that. Thank you for the review. We do appreciate it. No, I'll go the other way. <laughs> for as long as I can possibly say this, and the time that I'm allowed to say this is uh, drawing a close sooner than I would like to admit, you're old. <laughs> so basically until you're 60 you're gonna say that uh or close to it i mean really is there a difference between the 50s and the 60s i mean 20 years ago i think the 60s were the 50s you know what i mean like, that's like the last decade before everybody goes yeah you you're you're kind of done you're in your twilight you know what i mean <laughs> you're kind of done oh god <laughs> 70s Thanks. is the twilight now, I think 60s when we were kids was kind of the twilight. People were living longer. All right. Shout out to all you 60-year-olds. You got plenty of life left, according to Levin. Um, 
<laughs> I'm so grateful for everybody for leaving reviews. I don't know if I told you this yet, Levin, but Niners Nation for the year went over a million downloads in November. That is the most we have ever had as a network. I'm incredibly grateful to you, Levin, to all of our hosts and to everybody listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to keep trying to add more to that, obviously, set even higher goals for next year. But I'm, I don't often like to talk about stuff like that. And maybe I should do it more to, you know, pat myself on the back and pat the network on the back. But over a million downloads is a big goal that I had. And I'm just thrilled that we crushed it. Let me be honest here. A majority of that is due to you. You're the one that every single day has to sit here and work on the podcast network edit them together, get them out, do the five minutes. The rest of us pop in, do an episode once, maybe twice if you show up for the instant reacts, a week. And that's it. The person who's actually doing it all and the person who chose who's on the network hired the people to be on the network is you. So in all honesty, the the fact that we got to a million, I think, is because we're consistently available every day of the week. We have new content constantly. Whereas some other places aren't consistent. You never know when you're getting an episode. We are consistent. And that's because there's somebody sitting there every single day editing stuff together. And that's you. Well, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. So thank you, Levin. I do appreciate it. And the fact that I tricked someone into paying me to do this job is one of the greatest career accomplishments I will ever have. By the way, Ditto. we're going to do, do a new thing. <laughs> Kyle Posey and I are going to do a Twitter space on Friday, which, of course, Levin, you are welcome to join. And uh, probably go for like 40, 45 minutes. And if you can't make that for whatever reason, we're going to turn that into a podcast and that's going to go up on Saturdays now. So there'll be even more stuff for you to enjoy. All right. On today's show, a couple of weird things going on between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. Levin is basically turning into an anti 49ers fan. I want to tell you guys about that because that was a weird conversation that we had. And obviously, we're going to get into the Cincinnati game because it's still a huge game for the 49ers. They might be down a couple of big players, and Cincinnati needs needs a win just as much as San Francisco. So there's a lot to get into today. Let's start with the weirdness between Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. The more Kyle Shanahan talks about his quarterback and his quarterback decisions and certain play calls with Jimmy Garoppolo, the more I feel like he doesn't have any feel for what he's doing. Um, the talk about that fourth down play in the Seattle game where Jimmy ended up keeping it and getting nowhere close to the first down. He keeps getting asked why he didn't consider Trey Lance for that. And the more he talks about it, Levin, the more I don't like the things that he says. It's just not consistent. Trey Lance found phenomenal success every single time he was put in for that type of situation early in the season. Then Jimmy got hurt. Trey Lance started a game. He got hurt. And since he's been back healthy, he hasn't been able to see the field. doesn't matter what the situation is. It's very odd because it's the type of situations he would have been going in for early in the season. And one ha has to wonder what has changed, whether it is Jimmy saying to him, that throws me out of a rhythm uh, if when you take me out. And so Kyle is making the choice not to take him out. Whether that is Trey has done something to not warrant getting on the field, whether that's regressing or whatever, I doubt that one, but it is a possibility. Or whether it's getting back to what Kyle said a few weeks ago, which is when Trey Lance goes in, it throws him out of a rhythm as a play caller, which 
to me, of all the ones I just mentioned, that is the one that would bother me the most if that's what it is, because that's you admitting you can't do your job because you can't do your job. You're not going to put the player in who's best for the team in that specific situation. Talking fourth and shorts, maybe red zone inside the five, you know, where a running quarterback is so much more valuable. If, if Kyle's not playing him because he feels like it throws him out of a rhythm as the play caller, I have a major problem with that. The other ones I can kind of see and understand. I just wish we could get to the truth. Just get to yeah. whatever the real answer is. He because he gives different it. answers, right? And they're all stupid. Like it's just such a weird. And he gets so prickly whenever you ask him about it. Like you could see mm -hmm. it in his body language if he's on camera. He gets snippy, and then he will quickly jump to the next question, like he did, yeah, yesterday. He got asked about it, and then before the next question was even finished being asked, he jumped in and answered it. Like, he was so eager to get away from the Trey Lance stuff. And look, I get it. Like, he's been asked a lot of questions about it. But that's partly because of how he and the 49ers have handled this thing, that he keeps getting asked about it because he keeps just coming up with weird stuff and answers that don't make sense that eventually lead to more questions. I personally would have loved to see Trey Lance Levin, not for all four downs. I understand that at the end of that Seattle game, but like on second down, instead of just running it up the middle, like they did put Lance in there and give him a, an RPO yeah. or a play action bootleg or something like something other than just another run up the middle, which by the way, if you put Lance in, you could still get that anyway. I just feel like they should have switched it up and tried something like you have this weapon and the fact that they are continually choosing not to use it is frustrating to watch as a fan. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the main point is it's very frustrating to watch knowing that there's that guy there on the sideline and yet Jimmy continues to get opportunity after opportunity despite critical mistakes. You know, both his interceptions were horrible interceptions, yet those are excused and they move on from him and you just got to learn. It's like, no, he's a veteran with a young guy behind him who needs to learn. Like the person who needs to learn is Trey Lance. If Jimmy is still trying to learn, there's a problem there and he shouldn't be in. And that's, I think, the problem that a majority of the fan base at this point has is that Jimmy is still making the same mistakes. He's still the same quarterback. He has literally not progressed whatsoever, arguably has <laughs> regressed over the last couple of years. And it, it's almost like this entire team, including the head coach, ignores that and just puts their fingers in their ears and goes la 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 i see nothing because they won't admit that jimmy is not as good as he was in 2019 and that there's a young guy behind them who could give them a better chance like you need to make that break and that's up to the coach to do it and we've seen it with other players right the yamador lenore gets thrown into action in that seahawks game gives up a couple plays yanked right out of the game here comes dante johnson Travis Benjamin's on the kick return in the third quarter. He fumbles the kickoff. You know who was in the next kickoff? Jermichael Hasty. They yank Travis Benjamin right out of the game. Like other guys make mistakes and they get pulled. But when the most important guy, the quarterback, makes mistakes over and over and over and over again, he doesn't get pulled. That's why fans and so many people, there are Jimmy stands, yes, but so many of us are calling for Jimmy to lose his job because we see how they treat everybody else on the roster. And when the same standards don't apply to the most important guy on the roster, you're going to get angry people and you're going to get questions about it. Kyle, I'm sorry. Like deal with it. That's part of my problem. So this team, I guess I shouldn't say team. 
this front office, and that includes Kyle, is refusing to deal with the elephant in the room. That That's the whole problem. They made the move for Trey Lance, and they refused to acknowledge that elephant in the room. That you traded three first-round picks to get to number three overall, and you just want to pretend like, no, that guy sitting back over there with the clipboard? No, nah, he's just a normal backup. What do you mean? What do you mean he should be in? He's the backup. And it's like they won't admit that, no, that's the guy that you traded three first-round picks for, who you have said multiple times now, it's hard to develop as the backup because you don't get actual reps because those all go to the starter. So you literally are admitting that, oh, that guy that we've thrown our entire future in with is not getting developed as fast as he could, and it just doesn't make sense. It's a team in denial, and that's my big problem right now. From the front office down, I think this entire team, this entire franchise, is in denial of what they are. They're not winning the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. You need to move on and start playing for the future so that you can win a Super Bowl, hopefully next year or the year after. Like that That's my problem, is that they're just... They're essentially sitting in the mud and going, I'm not going to try to get out of the mud. This is fine. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the meme of the cartoon character sitting in, in a house on fire. And he says, nah, this is fine. That's what they are. Like, literally, the house is burning down. 2019 is not coming back. This team is not that good enough. You know, they're not good enough with Jimmy Garoppolo. So the only way forward, the only way to put out that fire or get out of the mud is by making a quarterback change. And they will not admit that that's even in the realm of possibility most of the time. Like they pretend like they're shocked when you bring up the chances of uh, benching Jimmy. And the weird thing is I feel like in a way it's almost putting more pressure on Lance because they keep saying like, no, 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 we're going to keep him out and we're going to develop him. And we're going to really make sure that he's ready when he comes in, he's going to hit the ground running. And then it's like, if Trey Lance comes in, whenever it is end of this year, next year, and he has the normal, typical hiccups that rookies will have, especially a kid that's going to be, you know, 21, 22 years old. People are going to be like, well, what, what was this guy doing on the bench? Wasn't he studying? How's he having all these, these hiccups? You know, they spent all this time developing him. And it, the 49ers seem like they're trying to skip those. And you just can't. It, it just it's impossible to do. And they don't seem to understand that. And they think that he's going to come in next year and just hit the ground running and be fine and, and be like a veteran quarterback. And that's just not possible. I would argue there's two people in NFL history who have come in and started for the first time and got to skip all of that. And it just so happens that those two people have come in recent years. So that's what people think should be the standard. And that's Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Those are the two rookies that came in and just were instant MVP caliber quarterbacks. And that's not realistic to expect that. You know, there are plenty of Hall of Fame quarterbacks who sat or started right away who were terrible for a while, but you could see the potential and they slowly developed. And after a year or two were dominant elite quarterbacks. And that is the standard. But I, I do agree, like the way that they're talking, they basically say, hey, Jimmy is great. Jimmy's a really good quarterback. We're not going to bench him until Trey Lance is even better than he is. That, that's you saying the train lines has to come in at a Pro Bowl level because Jimmy is an average quarterback. You know, like I, I'm not losing sight of the fact that Jimmy is better than some starters in the league out there. Like he's not horrendous. He's just not good enough because in the NFL, you can't win with an average quarterback. It's not like most sports where you can have 
an average quarterback or point guard to make a basketball reference and still win a championship. And I, I feel like they just need to move on and, and they're setting things to a standard that's not going to go well. There's going to be fans, the Jimmy stands, we know they're not, they're already not uh, good at having, you know, gripping reality. So when they do make the change to Lance, you know they're going to be sitting there waiting to pounce, which is just a ridiculous stance to be. But we already know they're not in reality. Yeah, I feel like at certain points this year, some guys have said, hey, we could run it back like 2019. And other guys have said, we got to stop talking about 2019. Uh, I think what we'll find is next year we'll get the truth and you'll have people saying, well, you know, I think last year we were trying to run it back. And this year we know, you know, we're gonna, it's a new team. We got to turn over a new chapter, blah, 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 all that crap. I ho- sure hope it's a new team. yeah well okay we're gonna get into that we're gonna take a break when we come back levin's gonna tell you why he's over this team how he now hates the 49ers (laughs) and he's gonna stop rooting for them so stay tuned for that all right you need to explain yourself levin because before we started recording you used the phrase i hate the 49ers now so explain (laughs) uh well i'm not gonna stop rooting for them just put that out there. I still hope they win every game. But I, I just have no patience for this type of team. I have no patience for the type of team, and I've compared them to this before, that came right, that we had right before Jim Harbaugh. It was a team that had all the talent you need to go win a Super Bowl. But they're so undisciplined. They're so inconsistent. They don't seem to be unified and working together. For whatever reason, there's a disconnect that causes them to be not in the right place, not doing the right assignment, uh, not running the right route, whatever it is. And I, I just don't have patience for it. I am sick of this team, and I am sick of the mentality that some of the veterans that are around have of wanting to just run it back. Like, oh, we can just magically get back to 2019, as if things don't dramatically change all the time in the NFL, and you got to constantly be evolving so I, I'm just sick of this team. Like, I'm tired of rooting for them. I'm going to still continue to root for them, but I'm tired of it, and I want an overhaul. That's where I'm at. Like, I, the worm turned in this Seattle game for me. I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt early in the year. Giving them the benefit of the doubt is gone. Like, what I saw on Sunday is just inexcusable to me, and I'm sick of it. This is a veteran team that has a ton of players that have been here a long time. And yet they still play like a team that's in like their first year of the system. I just, I don't have patience for it. I want them gone. I want an overall. I want a lot of changes in the off season. I think you will see a lot of changes in the off season because they have so many free agents. So many of their guys are signed to one year deals, both because the market wasn't really there for them. And the salary cap went down because of COVID and all that stuff. Now I think the cap, I think I saw yesterday, the caps projected to go up by, Funnily enough, I think it is like $26 million, which is hilarious because that's basically Jimmy Garoppolo's cap hit, which is just like inviting the 49ers to keep him for another year. But uh, so, yeah, some guys are going to leave. There's going to be turnover, I think, because of that. Guys are going to be looking to get the deals that they were hoping to get last offseason. I think part of your where your anger comes from is that so many of these teams losses follow the same script penalties inability to convert on third down, inconsistency at quarterback. That 
it seems getting like your when, ass run over for a safety. <laughs> like it seems like when they lose, that's how they lose every week. And so yes, and I don't have patience. Like I yeah. really, really don't have patience for losing in an undisciplined manner. Like that will set me off. That is a trigger for me. <laughs> that kind of breaks me of being able to like have more of the journalistic view that I've had trained in me from going to school for that. Like normally I can kind of separate my emotion and attack things analytically and just kind of try to see what they are for real. When it's an undisciplined team, like it's like fire is sprouting out of my head. Cause I, I I'm too angry to be able to like swallow it and get back to being kind of realistic and not have all that emotion. I, I don't have patience for it. Like I'm pissed off. I'm still pissed off about Sunday. That's why I was saying I'm still not fully over because I'm still freaking pissed off about that ridiculous performance in Seattle. And yes, the fact that it was in Seattle adds to that. Like I'm still too frustrated to move on. Like I am probably not going to move on for a couple weeks. Like it, it just, I, I can't, I can't stand it. Like I, I really can't. I don't have any other way to put it, to describe it. I can't stand that type of team. One of the most annoying, frustrating things about that Seattle game were the terrible play of the special teams unit. Uh, special teams coordinator Richard Hightower spoke yesterday, Levin, and he said something that made my blood boil. He said, well, we've had three bad games on special teams, the two against Seattle and the one against Minnesota. And it's like, okay, first of all, I don't know if I totally agree with you there because there were definitely some other special teams issues in some other games. But even let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, Richard, it's been three games. That's 25% of the season, dude. They've only played 12. Like, you can't give me, we've only had three bad games. Imagine somebody else on the defense saying that. Well, I know I've been absolute ass for 25% of the season, but the other 75% I've been good. Like, no, you can't be as bad as they have been in one phase, one third of the game for that many games. I'm sorry, man. Like, and I know he, he did take responsibility for a lot of it during the press conference. He did put it on himself multiple times, which is great. But just that one line, like I heard that and I was like, that, that's not an excuse, man. That's like, that's not the flex you think it is. Right, two things about special teams. One, I saw everybody like parading, clapping for Hightower, saying, hey, he takes full responsibility, blah, blah, blah. That's what you're supposed to f- do. Like, <laughs> why? You don't get credit for taking responsibility for your special teams unit playing like ass. You know, like, that. that's what you're supposed to do. Special teams isn't offense, you know, like, if, if an offense is having terrible play calls, yeah, that's one thing. But a lot of times an offense doesn't succeed, it's because players don't execute properly. You know what I mean? Like like we saw on Sunday for the 49ers. The reason they weren't executing wasn't play calling. It was Jimmy Garoppolo playing like crap and the rest of the offensive line not doing their job uh, at different times. So I, I don't I don't give him a pass. Ooh, he took responsibility. I would have major problems, and he probably would have been fired if he didn't take responsibility. Like, um, And the other aspect of that is I was so annoyed reading the transcript of that interview because you could tell the media going back to the Kyle Shanahan interview before Hightower even spoke was trying to give Hightower an out. And what was that out? Oh, you know, this team's had so many injuries. There's so many players. One person even listed off the players that (laughs) normally play special teams and weren't available because they had to be pressed in the starting. 
you know, and is that really hard to deal with? Do you get to deal with it? Yeah. Does every freaking team in the NFL have a lot of injuries? Yes. Do they get by it? Yes, because it's freaking special teams. Special teams is not complicated. It's not it, – it has a little sophistication to it, but it's not like offense and defense. A lot of it is run and tackle or kick. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not nearly as complicated as offense and defense. Every single player – in the NFL should be able to plug in and do at least a halfway decent job at special teams. So if your excuse is, well, there are a lot of players having to be pressed into special team duty. And so that's why they had all these problems. Then one, how are the coaches getting an excuse for that? Cause that means they didn't get their players ready Two, what kind of freaking athletes do we have on this team that they can't do it? Cause like I said, special teams is a lot about athleticism, running and tackling. That's about it. Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, why, why, what, why was the media trying to give him an excuse for one? For two, how is that an excuse? Like, I, I feel like the, the 49ers, and I've seen this in fans too, are kind of like in this la la land of other NFL teams don't have injuries. <laughs> Every NFL team has a lot of injuries. It's about how important those players are. Like, when it's a starter, yeah, it's a big deal. When it's not a starter, it's not as big of a deal, you know, when it's like a special teams player. But like my brother is a Tennessee Titans fan. Go go look at the Tennessee Titans this year. Guess what? They're making a run at the Niners uh, injury level of last year. They actually have more players injured than the Niners did last year. They're just not quite as important. You know, the Niners had quarterback, starting running back, like really important people. But like they're playing without A.J. Brown. They're playing without Julio Jones. And I, I can't remember the exact number. My brother you know, told me it uh, a week ago, but it was some, it was 30 something players out of their original 53 have spent, <laughs> have missed at least a game. Like injuries are not an excuse last year. You can kind of see how you can give a little bit of a pass because it was so many players. Like if your quarterback is injured, you're up shit's Creek. There's not much you can do about it in the NFL. There's not good enough quarterbacks around. But like to, to give the excuse of there's been a lot of injuries, so special teams are excused for giving a you know fake punt touchdown and a, a long kick return and fumbling the ball on our own returns. Like that's not an excuse. Like get out of here. And I didn't like his answer because he said, "Well, you know, they they he first he said they just got us. They risked a lot." You know, it was a risk reward in that play. They took a big risk, so they got a big reward. And I think it was Grant that responded with like, hey, you know, the Seahawks are three and eight, right? Like they had nothing to lose. So shouldn't you have been prepared for that? And he basically said, well, they they called the perfect play, essentially. And I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, because like the defense was prepared for the offense to run. The, the Seahawks tried to run a trick play. And the guy they were trying to throw to was double covered, was never open on the play. The Niners defense did a great job of being disciplined and not allowing that big play. So clearly D'Amico Ryans had his group ready for the Seahawks to pull some stuff out of their bag, but apparently Richard Hightower. Nope. Sorry. Like, I, yeah, I, I think he had, he thought there's no chance in hell they're fake punting from their own 20 on the first possession. Yep. It's like they're three and eight there. There's a chance there. You need to be there's prepared no reason for not to. And, You're three and, and eight. <laughs> there was one other thing that he said that kind of made me laugh. And I think it makes the fake punt even worse. They asked if they ran some kind of special play he's never seen before. And he's like, no, all teams, when you run a fake, there's not a whole lot you can do. They're all about the same play. They're pretty much all the same because you can't, there's not much you can do from that formation. You're kind of limited. 
it's like okay so they didn't run anything like crazy special that you've never seen before you know it wasn't like music city miracle with the kick return that nobody's right. ever seen before you know like it was just some plain jane run that you completely ignored the possibility of yeah i run that play in madden all the time <laughs> Fourth and one, it works like every single time, especially if you put juice in that spot because he's fast for a fullback. Like, it, I didn't like that part of it. And it's not like that's the only part of the special teams that were bad. The kickoff coverage has been bad in multiple games. A lot of times that gets covered up because the Niners defense will make a stop or get a turnover. But, like, it has been just flat out bad. Every time the ball gets kicked off now, I'm praying it goes in the end zone because I don't want them to return it because – could be a 30 to 40 yard return like there that's are... what i said that's what i said in the incident react stop giving them the opportunity to return the damn ball yeah like it's... like the, the that long return right before the half why did you even give them that possibility the only chance that they were going to go and score realistically i mean crap can happen but was that they would get a long kick return they needed a long kick return to kind of spark being able to go get points well why give them why give them a chance for that at that point, you're in control. Why, why give them the Why give them the opportunity? It, it just I don't get it. And so, the problems are evident. They are here. We hope they get addressed every single week. It doesn't seem like they are. Uh, the special teams better not give up anything this week. I feel like Kyle Shanahan should fire Richard Hightower at halftime if that's the case. Um, but they're playing Cincinnati this week. The Bengals are. Our team, what I've said about them is I think that they're a year early. No one thought the Bengals were going to be any good this year, and they are at least not bad. They've definitely got some talent on the roster. I think Joe Burrow is really good. Jamar Chase is, like, generationally good. He's a fantastic receiver that's keeping me up nights already because, I I mean, the idea that, that potentially Josh Norman could be guarding Jamar Chase should terrify every 49ers fan out there. So it's going to be, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a fun game. Um, but it's a game that both teams really, really need. Yeah, like Cincinnati's in a really tough division. They can't afford to lose this. Um, and the Niners, obviously, if they fall to six and seven, like, what are you doing at that point? Um, what are you playing for? You know what I mean? Like, they would still be in the playoff hunt, but who cares if you if you can't even get to 500? Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, Seattle got in the playoffs that one year. What were they like? seven and nine or whatever i don't care like just just win the game i don't have a whole lot of faith though because of what you just mentioned i, I think the, the way the niners win this game is joe burrow's finger is a big deal and causes him to be inaccurate because if he's accurate and he's the joe burrow that's healthy uh i don't see any way that we're stopping jamar chase t higgins and tyler boyd like it, we, we can't match up with those three though i mean those are three really, really good. They have one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. Here's the thing with Burrow. The finger, you're right, but he also leads the league in interceptions. He will put the ball in harm's way a little bit, and you can get after him a little bit. Cincinnati's line is not that great. To me, this has got to be a Bosa just wrecking the game plan type of thing. Getting some pressure on Burrow, and let's see if he – he's got a little Jameis Winston in him where he doesn't like to just – just throw it in the dirt or throw it out of bounds and get to the next play. Like he tries to squeeze the most out of every play. And when that happens, sometimes you can get opportunities to take the ball away. I think he'll, he'll hold on to the ball a little too long or two, which could give Bosa more chance to sack him. So that's sort of my only hope for the defense, because if Burrow is just dropping back on like three step drops or first read and chucking it, like he's going to pick the Niners defense apart. Bosa and Burrow used to be teammates, by the way. Ohio State, so probably pretty familiar with each other. 
But the game plan I would like to see defensively is make Joe Mixon win the game. Because you know that secondary is not going to be able to match up with those receivers. I want them to basically drop back into coverage and trust the speed of your linebackers because Fred Warner is supposed to be back and you have Aziz who has emerged. I want them to trust the speed of those linebackers to stop Joe Mixon from getting huge gains and basically drop back and say, you know, if you want to run and try to get three to five yards consistently, go for it. But we're going to drop back into coverage and try to limit your big playability in the passing game because I think Cincinnati, if Jamar Chase has a big has a big reception, get, get gets open deep, which is what he's best at, I think that's something that can cause a snowball effect for the 49ers. I, I think that this game is one that I think it's more likely the game gets away from the 49ers than it does Cincinnati. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that. I think it's more likely Cincinnati puts a beating and puts up 30 plus points on the 49ers then the Niners do the opposite. That's a good point. I mean, especially, I don't think that Debo Samuel is going to be back for this game. He didn't practice yesterday. Um, I'm sure that Kyle would be willing to put him in without any practice at all, but I don't know. He did say he he thinks or he's hoping that he'll practice Thursday, which would be today if you're listening. Which hopefully he does, but I don't know. I Man, I just feel like... I don't think he's going to be there, which means... And there's the whole run game issue, too. Right, that's what I was getting to. Like, Elijah Mitchell now has a knee issue. His knee is flared up. He had an MRI. Kyle Shanahan called it irritation uh, because, you know, Kyle Shanahan doesn't know anything about the 49ers injuries. He he doesn't know. He just he doesn't know. You know, at this point, I think he purposely does that. I, I think he purposely does not look at injury reports until later in the week. Okay, but like... So that he doesn't have to answer questions about it without lying. Well, it's annoying nonetheless. Um, <laughs> but potentially, so we could be looking at like Jermichael Hasty in the backfield mm-hmm. for the Niners. Maybe Jeff Wilson. I don't know. His knee flared up. So we're, we're still waiting to see on him. They signed Brian Hill, who I didn't even know existed on this planet until he was signed by the 49ers. This is a game where Jimmy's going to have to shoulder more of the load. Yeah, Jimmy's got to show up. This is a 300-yard pass game, I think, is what's going to be required. It's going to be a game where Jimmy has to consistently be the one that's moving the sticks. Not a, oh, get us to third and two, third and three, and I do a little dump off for a first down like we've seen some games. He has to be getting bigger completions, got to be spreading that defense out and being a difference maker, which we have seen like once every 10 (laughs) games or so lately out of him. (laughs) I loved loved seeing how much they were using George Kittle as a wide receiver last week. I loved it. That's amazing concept, huh? Right. Like that's the George Kittle. We need to see every week. I know he's a really good blocker. Guess what? That's not even the best thing he does. The best thing he does was that short little pass on third down that he caught in the flat where he ran past one guy, broke another tackle, and shouldered Jamal Adams into another friggin' plane of existence. That's the best to another season. I think he's out for season. <laughs> That's true. Actually, he is. Um, like, yes, use George Kittle as a primary weapon in the offense. The dude is incredible. And I honestly, like, I feel like when he catches the ball and breaks a tackle and gets the downfield and he gets up and he does that little thing, I feel like it gives the team some energy, some juice. It gives them a little momentum. They got to use him more. Keep that going. The most exciting thing for the 49ers as a fan watching 
is George Kittle getting a reception and getting two steps to get ahead of him. <laughs> Once he's up to speed with the ball in his hands, like you're on your edge of the seat, like, okay, who's about to get trucked? What, what's going to what's gonna happen? How many people is going to take to tackle him? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is when I'm most excited. When Kittle gets a reception and is able to, like, turn up field and not just be tackled right away, like, that's when it's like, uh-oh, what's about to happen here? But in terms of Kittle, did you see what uh, Kyle said about the – the fourth and one that uh, he wasn't in on. Yeah. He said it makes no sense. Essentially. Like we have different guys with different you, strengths. Yeah. Whatever. He said it was a schematic reason that he wasn't in. And what, like, as they asked, you know, why wasn't he in there? Like, was he hurt? Needed a breather, whatever he said. No, it's basically just, that was the play that he's not part of that package. It's like, okay. At, at what point does, does somebody's strength, outweigh Kittle because he's both your best receiving tight end and your best blocking tight end. So no matter what, <laughs> yeah, no matter what the play call is, Kittle is the best option to be at the tight end spot. Like that quote made no sense to me. And I wish they would have pressed him on it. Like how was he not the best option there? If he's your best blocking tight end and your best receiving tight end. Yeah. They asked him what happened on that fourth down play that led to Kittle not being on the field. And I swear to God, I noticed it at the time because I saw 85 jogging off the field and I was like, what the hell? And here's Kyle's answer quote, because we don't want him for that play. It's schematic stuff, but it has to do with what we think people are best at that. You're, you're totally right. That answer makes zero sense whatsoever. Kittle in the game confused, not confuses. It adds uncertainty to the defense. Because he's such a good blocker that it doesn't just mean, oh, they're definitely going to pass because Kittle's in the game. He can block just as well as some of their backup offensive linemen. And if you want, if you do want to throw the ball, he's George friggin' Kittle. So th there's no reason to take your best offensive player in that game off the field for one of the biggest calls of the game. Yeah, I just that quote really bothered me. I, I don't think he was being truthful there, and I wish somebody would have called him on it like, in what world is Kittle not your best option at tight end when he's the best at both things a tight end does? <laughs> right. Unless you just don't want a tight end there, but like what you're going to put All in I can think of is that like if, if you want to do some kind of misdirection, but in fourth and one, you're not doing a misdirection. You know what I mean? Like if they wanted to do something like taking Kittle out makes it more likely they're going to run, in my opinion, because you're taking away the great receiving option of a tight end. Like Warner's not that great as a receiving option. Um, and Dwelly's not that great of a receive, receiving option either, in my opinion. I, I feel like it makes it more likely they're going to run. And so I think their only chance there would be like a misdirection. Oh, we got a, a go route for the tight end, whichever one's in, you know, and try to catch the defense sleeping on that tight end. But you're not doing that on fourth and one. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just it was that was the last pre uh, question that Kyle took in the presser. And then it ended. And I agree. Like, I, what kind of package is better without George Kittle than with George Kittle? That's really what I would like to know. But anyway, I hope that they feature him continually on Sunday. And I hope that they get Ayuk more involved, too. He did have six targets on Sunday. I think he needs more than that. I think he needs to be up in double digits. He is really freaking good. They had a stat during the broadcast. I don't know if it's still true because it was during the game. I think it was like in the fourth quarter. But they said that Brandon Ayuk, when he catches the ball on, I think it's third down, he has 12 catches on third down or something like that. And every time he catches it, he gets a first down. Every time. He was perfect on the season. Like, that is, that's incredible. Like, I, sometimes that just goes over people's heads. Like, he is really, really good. 
they need to unlock him and feature him and treat him like the number one wide receiver that he is instead of just an afterthought. Yeah, a lot of his targets in the game, I felt like were just kind of like Jimmy in desperation. He wasn't even open. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't too many passes I saw where it's like, oh, Ayuk should have caught that or, oh, it was there and Jimmy missed the throw. It was, there's nothing there. Like there's a guy right on his back. That third down catch, well, it wasn't a catch, but that third down play where he's wide open and Jimmy Garoppolo throws high, so Ayuk has to jump. And yeah, should he have caught it? You'd like to think that he should have caught it, but it never should have come down to that. He was wide freaking open. That's oh, That just goes back to the inconsistency of quarterback. But like, even though Debo is could be out for this game, I still feel like there are options if the 49ers can get out of their own way. <laughs> I no longer have any delusion that they're going to make some noise in this season. Right. I, I understand. That's where I was four weeks ago. If they can get out of their own way, there's still time. They're six and six. The fact that they fixed their issues and now they reoccurred, it, it's just destroyed my hope for this season. Let's be honest here. I, I'm, I wouldn't say I, I don't want to watch. I'm just kind of at the point like, can, can we get to the point where we actually have a realistic chance of doing anything, which would be having Trey Lance as the quarterback and next season? <laughs> If they finish the season 10 and 7, you would say you have they have no chance whatsoever to make a run. I guess it depends on how those five games went. Like if they seem to have completely put these behind them and they don't play on discipline and they got healthy. I guess sort of there's a small chance there. I just I guess it's self-preservation at this point because the last 20 years have taught me one important lesson. Stop pretending a bad team is a good team. Well, it's no fun to admit with five weeks to go that the team has no chance, right? Like it's Am I the delusional one? Am I the emotional one? Or am I the one that's faced with reality? Well, I think you're a little emotional here. I think you're trying to protect yourself from getting like that loss last week. That hurt, right? Like that loss. Hurt yeah, I'm tired of it, is what it is. I'm worn out because this team has been such a roller coaster in a way that I don't have patience for this year, like I talked about earlier, to the point that I am sick of dealing with it. I'm sick of being toyed with, basically, <laughs> and pulled back and forth, back and forth, that I'm just kind of, I'm spent. You know what I mean? Like, I, I sure hope that they finish 11 and 6. And I'm not saying I'm not going to be sitting here rooting for it and being happy after a win or, or whatever, but it, Right now, as I said, I'm just tired. We all are. I'm emotionally drained to the point that the only thing that's left, which this is kind of a window into uh, my psychology, when I'm emotionally drained, the only emotion still left sitting there is anger because that's the emotion <laughs> I protect against at all times. <laughs> so that's your default. When everything is stripped away, there's just rage. I was a very angry kid for no real reason. And that anger got me in trouble a crap ton. Uh, so, yeah, when I kind of came of age, the way I stopped getting in trouble constantly and being a bad kid and bullying other kids and beating the crap out of other kids, to be fully honest, on the playground was I stopped being emotional. Because my anger, I, I used when I was a kid, I used to literally black out from anger and rage at the drop of a hat. 
Like I have fights. I don't, I don't, I remember what set me off and I remember being pulled off kids. I'm talking about like when I was like 10, 11 years old. So I protected myself by kind of learning to just not have emotions on because when I do have emotions on, I don't have a lot of patience and anger is quick to trigger for me. And when I'm angry, I am not logical at all. So when I am emotionally drained, that anger is still sitting there because I've basically been pushing it down for 25 years. <laughs> now you're just a bully podcast host. I see how it is. Uh, that bully comes out sometimes. Yes, I was I was not a nice kid. <laughs> I'm going to use that drop forever. Um, I do kind of agree that at the end of this season, when it does come, like normally the end of the season happens and I'm like, oh man, the season's over. We got to wait right. so long. I'm going to kind of be like, <sighs> like I'm just going <laughs> to, okay. Like I need a couple months here to recharge a little bit. Because it is, it, it's been a crazy kind of a year. The way that the, it's just been like a roller coaster. We've been climbing two and zero, and then we go back down, and there's all those losses, and then they start climbing the hill again, stacking wins together, and you feel good, and then Seattle happens, and you're back down in the valley now, and this team has got to pull it together and claw together and climb that hill one more time, and they have the schedule to do it. It's possible. But it's hard to keep doing that multiple times in a single season, especially when you have the quarterback that you have. Yeah. And like I said, I think the worm turned. Like, I don't think it's realistically possible. Do I think a team, this team has like a puncher's chance at turning it around and really doing something this season? Yeah. Every team pretty much has that, unless they're, you know, Jacksonville or something. You know, like every team that's in the middle of the pack always has that possibility. The talent is there enough. But the realistic part of my brain is sitting here saying this team isn't it. It doesn't have it. This isn't the season. And once you kind of make that change or the worm turns in your brain, as I've been saying, I think you just start looking and going, okay, the sooner the offseason gets here, the sooner we can address these issues and get the roster where it needs to be. And I do think this is something that can... Next season, if they do the right thing in the offseason, they can be a dominant team again. Yeah, I don't want to start looking ahead totally to the I, I know, yet. but that that's kind of like I feel like my in my head, I've kind of hit the point where I don't think this team is going to do anything this year. And thus the only thing left to do once that happens is okay, how can they fix the issues? It's it's fair. There are times when this happens for teams, though, where just like they kind of muddle through the regular season and then they hit their stride all of a sudden at the end of the year. There's normally a catalyst to that. There's normally a change that happens. You know, like the the Baltimore Super Bowl year, uh, the first one. 2000. You know, the yeah, the change was Trent Dilfer got inserted and they had halfway decent quarterback play finally. You know what I mean? It wasn't Tony Banks fumbling every other snap. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, there's normally a catalyst there that something happens, an injury happens, a starter comes in, he's much better than everybody thought, he becomes the savior or or something, you know, you, you know what I mean? And I don't see the catalyst because I don't see Kyle making the quarterback change until it's too late. So give me a score prediction for this Cincinnati game before we get out of here. I think it will be, I will go 31 to 17 Cincinnati. Oof. Doubling up the 49ers. I said uh, yesterday on the Shanna plan, I had to fill in for Akash. 
I said 24-21 Niners. Maybe I was too generous with what I think the Niners defense can do to Cincinnati. I, I, I'm praying that Nick Bosa can harass Joe Burrow enough to, to make life too difficult for him to hit Jamar Chase for too many bombs. And I think that if the Niners can get a couple of short fields and cash in, they have been exceptionally good at scoring in the red zone this year. Uh, best in the league, to be quite honest. So if, if they get some short fields, you'd like to think they can punch it in. Uh, but we'll see. But I did go 24-21, so I have to stick to that. Let's be consistent here. We're nothing if not consistent on this show. <sighs> All right, Levin. I hope – and are you around this Sunday, I should ask? Are you around for the Instant Reaction podcast? No. Oh, see? He is checked out. Uh, so, well, then I'm going to say that I, I was going to say hopefully I'll be, you know – in a better mood on Sunday talking to you for the instant. I'll be reaction. working nights, so I'll probably be trolling you in the comments. Yeah, that's yeah, typical, typical <laughs> 11. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, thank you, everybody, that took the time to write a rating and a review. Please, please, please keep them coming. And thank you for all the downloads. We're going to set new goals and hopefully break new records, and we can't do that without you. So we appreciate you very, very much. Thank you. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.